Well, it is a time for reevaluation, self-examination, time for us to just get ready for a new year. It's upon us. They seem to go faster and faster, but it's that time, and it's really a great time for us to just kind of focus in on the things of God and what God wants to do. You know, we just are wrapping up the whole Christmas season, and, you know, they call that the most wonderful time of the year. But uh, strangely, some people say that right now is the most wonderful time of the year because of all the year-end clearance sales. You know, and some of you, anybody besides me like a good sale? Four of you. Come on, the rest of you, you're lying. Yeah, we like those clearance sales where you get a great deal on, on something. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. It, here's the thing. Why do they do that? Is it because we've been such great shoppers and they want to reward us? Well, no, because, in fact, when they have a bad year, the sales are even better. Why do they do these clearance sales? Because they have to move that old merchandise to get ready for the new. And I want you to understand that in our lives, for us to be ready for the new things that God wants to do, sometimes we have to clear out some old things. Now, that doesn't mean that what we've had is bad. It's just that we got to make room for the things that God wants to do this year. You know, I've noticed that there are always some items that, that are never on the clearance sale like a classic black suit. I mean, you might catch one on a sale a little bit, but you'll never see one on a clearance sale. You'll never see expensive perfume on a clearance sale. Just won't happen. And you know what? There are some things in our lives that are valuable, things that are even priceless, that we should never let go of, that we should always hang on to. Like, number one, first and foremost, our relationship with the Lord. And no matter what else we're going on with God, we want to grow in the Lord this year. We, we, we cherish the Word of God, the promises of God. We always want to hang on to those things that God has spoken to us and given to us. And we, we want to hang on to our brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible says we need one another. Yes, there are things that are precious that we should always hang on to, but we also need to know that there are some things that we're going to have to clear out to get ready for the new things God wants to do in our lives. Right. You know, it's amazing uh, as you get older how that you just continue to acquire more and more stuff. I remember the first time that Carmen and I moved, we used the smallest U-Haul available, and there was plenty of room in that U-Haul. The next time we moved, we got the biggest U-Haul available, and we had to have a stock trailer too. And then it wasn't a time or two, we moved a lot, a time or two after that, we actually had to have two of the biggest U-Haul trailers and a trailer, or biggest U-Haul trucks and a trailer. How do we get so much stuff? I mean, one of us must be kind of a pack rat and hang on to everything. I don't know. I will own up to this. At one time, I had five lawnmowers. 
I mean, I used, to, I used to do a little mowing on the side, you know. I was making the youth pastor big bucks, and so I did some mowing on the side. And, and uh, I would see a mower that somebody put out for the trash, and I would take it home with me so I could fix it. Some of them never got fixed. And, you know, it's one of those moves, I think, that finally forced me to get rid of some things. But it's just amazing how you keep acquiring more and more stuff. I mean, my closet is full there's not any room for anything else. I got boots in there that are 40 years old. And no, I'm not getting rid of them. They're still good. <laughs> you know, they say if you don't wear it once a year, you got to get rid of it. Well, I'll try to wear them once a year then. Some of you, you just want to see me go cowboy, don't you? But here's the, I used to wear them on Sunday morning. Can y'all imagine? Anyway, moving along. So now I get a new tie. Here's what I know. If I get a new tie, one of those 20-year-old ties has got to go. I get a new tool. You know, the garage is full, so I get a new tool. Some people call them toys. But when a new one comes, that means that I got to find a place to hide one of the old ones. <laughs> it's a bad example, right? But here's the thing, so much of the time in our life, we only have so much energy. We only have so much time. We only have so much thought space in our head. I mean, for us to do new things and take on new things, a lot of the time something old has to go. We got to clear out some things. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, the Lord says, Do not remember the former things. Do not consider the things of old. Who wrote this? The Lord. I mean, it was Isaiah under the Lord's inspiration, but it's from God. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. See, we serve a, a creative God. He likes to do new things. People are forever trying to put Him in a box that God did it this way. He always does it that way. No, He is always doing new things. And we need to be ready for whatever new thing God wants to do in our life. First, we need to clear out old memories. I know that's going to rub some of you the wrong way just a little bit, but just stay with me. The Scripture said very plainly, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. That doesn't mean that we have no recollection of it. I mean, you know, as we age, sometimes it gets easier to have no recollection of things. You know what I'm saying? But that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about that we choose not to think about that. We're not focused on the past anymore. How many of you are old enough to remember the 1970-something song that Barbara Streisand sang uh, called The Way We Were? Anybody remember that? We have a young congregation. <laughs> there was this song, and in, the, in this song, part of the lyrics said, there are things too hurtful to remember, we just choose to forget. See, even the world understands this principle. It's not that you don't have a recollection of it, but you choose to not think about it. And you see, that's what I'm talking about here. I believe that's what God is saying here. He says, don't remember the former things. He's like, don't focus your mind. Don't think about the past. Instead, you need to be ready for what's new. you got to be willing to clear out some old memories. The past is how we got to where we are today. 
But if we dwell on the past, on the former things, then we won't be ready for what God wants to do in and through us this coming year. He said, forget about it. You know what people say? They say, oh no, the old is better. Do you know Jesus said that people will say the old is better? This has been going on for a really long time, for thousands of years. And you know what? We should never forget the past victories because they help to build our faith for the battle that's before us. I mean, I know that God's going to take care of this because what He's done in the past in those other battles. And, and we should never forget the lessons we learned from past mistakes. I mean, it's a terrible thing when you just keep repeating the same mistakes, right? But our focus can't be on the past. It has to be on what God wants to do today and tomorrow. It's just kind of part of human nature, I guess, to remember the past as the good old days. You know, the good old days. I've heard about the good old days all my life. You know, when they used to walk to school in the snow, five miles, uphill both directions, right? The good old days. Yeah, the, the good old days. Did you know that the Sears and Roebuck catalog was the first recycled paper? Now, I know some of you don't get that, but let me just put it to you this way. Before there was Charmin, there was a Sears and Roebuck catalog, and that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm just saying the good old days, yeah, the good old days when they didn't have air conditioning. I don't want to go back there. And if we had to, I wouldn't be living in Texas. I mean, I would have to hear an audible word from God. You know what I'm saying? The good old days. Yeah, the good old days when telemarketers didn't call. You didn't have a phone. You didn't have any car trouble. You didn't have a car. The good old days, right? No thanks. But here's what I know, is that if we're focused on the past, we can't move forward with what God wants to do. Ecclesiastes 7.10, Do not say, why are the old days better than these? Quit saying that. Why? For it's not wise to ask such questions. Yeah, there's always going to be the good old days, but it's just foolish to talk that way. So we got to keep our focus on today and tomorrow. What does God want to do? You know, Jesus is the good shepherd. He leads us. He's leading us forward. See, in our lives, we should always be going somewhere with the Lord, moving forward by faith. Our focus has to be on what God wants to do now. And here's the thing about life. You just can't ever really go back. You can't. You can only go forward. But trying to go forward with your life while you're looking back it's like trying to drive your car down the freeway while you're looking in the rearview mirror. You're going you're gonna to have some problems. I mean, at the very least, you're going to miss your exit. You need to be focused on the future of what God wants to do in your life. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul writes, now that I have, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God 
in Christ Jesus. He's pressing on towards that goal, that purpose of God in his life. And you might think that you're nobody in the big scheme of things, but I want to tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. There are things that God wants to do in and through your life. But here's what we need to see in this passage is like Paul, we have to forget about what has been about the past and reach forward to the things which are before. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to the things which are ahead. This is, ama- this is really amazing that the Apostle Paul would say this because here, uh, well, sometimes we don't get the timeline when, when we read these uh, letters of Paul. You need to understand, this was after decades of ministry. At least 20 years has gone by that he's been serving the Lord, and he writes this epistle from prison. But he has seen the sick healed. He's seen people set free from demonic possession. He's seen even the dead race. He's seen all kinds of crazy miracles happen. And he says, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what is ahead. You see, it's not just the bad things that happen to us, but even a lot of the great victories we had. I already said, we never forget them in the sense that we don't have recollection. No, because we remember those things and it helps our faith. But we can't stay focused on what happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. we got to be moving forward, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Focusing on the past, it just keeps you from the present and the future that God has for you. Second, to be ready for what God wants to do in our lives this year, we got to clear out disobedience. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, there's a race for each and every one of us. There is a purpose and a call of God. Sin is one of the greatest burdens and disruptors to your race. I mean, you can't really run the race God has for you all out when there's some sin or hindrance in your life. It's like trying to run a race in a burlap sack. At, at best, you, you're probably going to end up falling on your face. No, you got to get rid of those things because they will hinder what God wants to do in and through you this year. You know, before the children of Israel went into the promised land, Joshua is about to lead them in. And in Joshua 3, 5, he tells them, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. And you see, we need to have our hearts ready for what God wants to do this year. And part of that is, is we got to get rid of those hindrances in our life, disobedience in our life, and fully obey the Lord. It's amazing how a lot of the time Christians will allow a certain amount of disobedience in their life. Like they're struggling to forgive a certain person, and somehow they just decide that God's okay with that. I want to tell you that that disobedience will hold back the blessings of God. It will keep you from being able to do certain things that God wants you to do until you get it right and you clear that disobedience out. It's got to go. 
You know, when the children of Israel did go into the promised land and they obeyed God and they came to the, the walled city of Jericho and did what God said, they easily defeated Jericho. But God had told them not to take any of the treasures of Jericho. And one man did, a man named Achan. And so the next city they go to, just a small city of Ai, they suffered a defeat, not once, but twice. And then Joshua, uh, the Lord revealed to Joshua that it was because of sin that somebody had taken something that they weren't supposed to. And once they dealt with that issue, then they were able to get victory and move on. And here's what I want to say to you. You see, if there are some things in your life that you know aren't really right, you need to get it right so that you are ready to go on with God. He's got good things in store for you, but you won't be ready for it until you deal with that disobedience. Next, you've got to clear out guilt and condemnation from past sins because here's the thing. All of us have messed up. All of us have sinned. And the enemy will use guilt and condemnation to try to beat you down and burden you down so that you're not really ready to step into what God has for you. I want to remind you that the Scripture says His, His mercies are new every morning, that He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You see, when we, when we confess our sins to Him, when we make it right, He is quick to forgive. And, and we're able to move on into what God has for us. You know, as you look through this Scripture, you see that all of the men and women of God, they were all flawed. All of them. There weren't any perfect ones except for Jesus, right? Abraham the father of faith, called the friend of God, Abraham. All too quick to take his wife's advice and sleep with their servant girl to have a child. And yet somehow, God still fulfilled His promise to Abraham and he became the father of many nations. Moses, who used his staff to kill a man, but after 40 years in the wilderness, he sees a burning bush where God calls him and raises him up. And that staff now becomes the rod of God that God does miracles through. Amazing. You know, you come to the New Testament and you see Peter, the one who denied the Lord, he denied he even knew Jesus. And yet, he becomes one of the greatest church leaders of that early church. God used him mightily. And Saul turned Paul, this man who persecuted the church. He was against the church. But after his conversion, he says, what do you want me to do? And God raises him up as the apostle to the Gentiles. He wrote much of the New Testament. I'm just telling you that you, you got to put that guilt and condemnation of the past. Don't let those things limit what God can do in your life. It's not too big for God, but you got to clear out that guilt and condemnation. Hebrews 10, 20, uh, 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. I tell you, the blood of Jesus can cleanse your guilty conscience so that you're ready to go on 
with what God has for you. Next, you clear out past failures. These are things that aren't necessarily sin, but it's just things where we feel like we failed. Things didn't turn out the way that we hoped they would. Maybe it's a New Year's resolution, you know, uh, people are making those right now. I mean, a lot of people, they, they made them and made them and made them until they finally gave up on making them because they never kept them. And the most popular New Year's resolution, losing weight. Failed and failed and failed. I'm talking about me, not you. Here's the thing. If you don't put the past failures behind, you'll never win you got to put those past failures behind and realize that with God, you can still overcome. But past failures a lot of times get people to the place where they just give up on their faith. They don't really know or believe that God is going to turn it around. And you know, especially I think, well, I'm, I guess I'm a little biased, but when it comes to, to things in ministry, so often... You know, we go through times where we don't see a lot of fruit and it's, and it's struggle and it's hard. You know, a lot, we've had a number of small group leaders that started off with just two or three in their group and a lot of them just quit because it's, it's discouraging. Now, what I know as a pastor is that no matter how small the group, God can still work and move. In fact, sometimes when it's just a handful of people, it ends up being the most meaningful times. But, we just have to keep going in spite of what we might perceive as a failure, expecting and believing. See, maybe you didn't get that promotion at work. Maybe you didn't get uh, or finish that degree, you see, but you keep going. Maybe you weren't the best, you didn't win the best dad of the year award, but you put the failure behind so you can go on to victory. Right. One man, he asked his friend, he says, why do you look so depressed? He says, my future. He says, why does your future look so bleak? He said, my past. You got to get past the past failures. Don't expect failure this year. See, if you expect failure, well, you probably won't even plan. Don't expect failure. One lady wasn't known for being an especially good cook, so her first Thanksgiving turkey, she told her husband and son, she said, now, if it's not good, then don't say anything. We'll just get up and go to a restaurant and eat. And so she goes in the kitchen, she comes back with the turkey, and she realizes that her son and her husband are both sitting at the table with their coats on. <laughs> you know what, here's the thing, you see, when we have that attitude, when we let that, that attitude of failure get on us, it just affects and infects the people around us. Oh, we, we need to know that God is bigger than our failures, that He can still use us and He can make a way where it seems like there is no way. So, you know, if you have a failure in this area, maybe you say, oh, five times I failed at this. You're still not a failure. What makes you a failure is when you give up. And so many people who are successful, they failed again and again and again, but they kept going and success finally came. And that's the way it is so often in life and especially in spiritual things. Sometimes we just have to keep pressing on, pressing toward the mark. We are 
overcomers, more than conquerors. And that doesn't mean we're not ever going to fail. All of us go through those times, you know. I mean, you got would have, should have, could have, what ifs, if onlys. Got a closet full of them. But you don't have to sit in the closet. You face the future with faith and overcome those failures. Uh, I'm an old John Wayne fan, and in the movie The Train Robber, uh, John Wayne says, you're going to spend the rest of your life getting up one more time than you were knocked down, so get used to it. I guess he must have read Micah 7, 8, because it just simply says, when I fall, I shall arise. You just got to get up again. You just got to keep getting up. Well, why have I get knocked down again? You just keep getting up and you just keep going. You will overcome. But the worst part about failure is that it can keep you from moving forward if you don't clear it out of your mind. Put failure behind so you can reach forward. The next thing you need to clear out is past hurts. I know that everybody in this room this morning has been hurt. It is absolutely universal. Some way more than others. You know, the Scripture says a wounded spirit who can bear, and some people say, yeah, that's me. I have a wounded spirit. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is still the healer of broken hearts. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, and He can heal you. But if you don't put that hurt Behind you, if you don't clear it out, it will hinder you moving forward. Listen, you can learn from it, and God can even use it to make you uh, more effective in ministering to others. But you can't allow it to shackle you anymore. You've got to get free from it. Jesus can heal you. So many in church, they get hurt and they walk away instead of allowing God to heal that hurt. And they miss what God had for them. I'm going to tell you the truth. If you love people, if you reach out to people, you try to help people, sometimes you're going to be mistreated. You're going to experience rejection. You're going to be falsely accused. What are you going to do? You let God heal the hurt. I mean, the other option is, is that you decide that you're not going to love anymore. You're not going to reach out anymore. You're not going to get involved anymore. No, put it behind you. Let the Lord heal that hurt. You know, the man Joseph is a great example to us in Scripture. He was hated by his brothers and they sold him into slavery. Then he's falsely accused and put into prison. And then those that he helps forget about him. But one day, God brings him from the prison to the palace where he has put over all of Egypt to the saving of many lives. He had an impact on the whole known world. But here's the thing. Through all of that time, and all of those ways that he was hurt and mistreated, Joseph never got bitter. Joseph kept his heart right, and he stayed close to the Lord, and God blessed him everywhere he was until he brought him through to that place of victory. 
Let the Lord heal your hurts. Clear it out. Don't allow those things to hinder your heart moving into the new year. Get rid of it. Next, you got to clear out fear. Fear undermines faith. See, whatever God wants to do in your life this year, it's going to require faith because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But fear will paralyze you. It'll make you afraid to do anything, especially anything new. Just do the same old thing. It seems safe. I heard a story about a census taker. He goes to this rural farmhouse and there's a sign out there that says beware of dog and so he just sits outside honking on his horn and finally the owner comes out carrying this little chihuahua and when when the census taker's done with his question he asks the man he says so is this the dog and the guy says well yeah and he says well that little chihuahua couldn't scare anybody he says no but the sign can And that's the way it is so much of the time in our life. I'm just going to tell you, things are not near as bad as what you think. Especially in the view of an almighty God. We we get so negative and so skewed and so fearful. Everybody's afraid about everything. Fear weakens. Faith strengthens. Fear imprisons. Faith liberates. Fear paralyzes. Faith empowers. Fear disheartens. Faith encourages. Fear sickens and faith heals. How do you clear out fear? With faith. You choose to believe God. The Word of God will build and strengthen your faith. So you focus on the Word of God. Don't feed your fears by listening to gossip and negative talk and bad news. You see... A lot of the time, people get so fearful because they have this constant intake of negative information. Don't you know what's going on? It's terrible. Let's all just listen to four hours of news, bad news, every day. We can all just be fearful and depressed about everything. And mad. Or we can focus on the Word of God, the promises of God, a mighty God who can do anything. Why should we be afraid when we serve the Lord? I'm telling you, you got to clear out those fears if you're going to do what God wants you to do. (laughs) When the Lord called me to ministry, I knew the Lord called me. And I thought... There's no way I'll ever get up in front of people. I'll be a Christian counselor. Now, don't misunderstand me. There is nothing wrong. I thank God for Christian counselors. I wanted to be one. But it wasn't very long at all. The Lord made it clear to me that was not my path. I just want you to know, you got to put aside your fears if you're going to really do all that God has for you. Don't let fear hinder you in what God wants to do. Last, we need to be willing to clear out old ways in order to do new things. We can't do all God wants us to do unless we get rid of some old things. Got to let some things go. John 15 and 2, Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes 
that it may bear more fruit. Jesus is pretty serious about this fruit-bearing business. He wants us to have an impact in this world. But notice this, he says that the branches that bear fruit, they get pruned. And sometimes there are things in our life that, well, it's just wasted foliage. It's just taken up time and energy in our life, and it's not really fruitful. And sometimes those things have to be pruned. we got to be willing to let go of some things so we can be more fruitful, so that we're ready for greater blessings, new victories. It comes when we're willing to let go of some of the old things. You know, I think some people think they're real spiritual by refusing to ever change. I mean, the Lord says, I, the Lord, change not. Well, I got some news for you. You're not Him. We have to always be changing in order to be more like Him. We got to be pliable in the Master's hands. We got to be willing to change. We got to be willing to do things differently than we have in the past. Be teachable and ready. You know, the Lord has a word that He used for people in the Old Testament who wouldn't accept change. He called them stiff-necked. Now, we got to be ready for what God wants. Now, I want to say this clearly. All change, some people get all, you know, super hyper about change. All change is not growth. But one thing's for sure, you can't grow without changing. Something has to change for you to grow. And we ought to always be growing in the Lord and moving forward. You know, before Saul became Paul, he's persecuting the church, and he, he was just so sure that he was right. You ever just been so sure that you were right and you found out later you were wrong? Listen, Paul ignored all of the signs. He ignored what he saw God doing. He was resisting the Holy Spirit until he got knocked to the ground. Don't wait till you get knocked to the ground. Be willing to change. Be willing to move forward with what God wants to do. You know, sometimes we need a little of that um, cowboy philosophy. If your horse is dead, it's time to dismount. And some of us, we just, we just keep doing things the same old way, no matter what the results. We just don't like change. Now, a lot of people say they do, but really the only ones that like change is babies, and they don't like it a whole lot. But it's just awkward, and it just feels weird. You know, when you're used to things being this way, and now you change it. And this happens at church a lot of the time. You know, people get upset because we're doing something different now. Or sometimes it plays off like this. What well, my old church, we did it this way. Y'all do it this way. So, here we go. Everybody clasp your hands together like this. Come on, do it. All of, Don't be a rebel. Just do it. That feels right. Now, take them apart. Now, this time we're going to clasp them again, but you've got to put the other thumb on top. Some of you are not even able to do it. Can you do it? Now, if you did it, how's that feel? Weird. Awkward. Wrong. But here's the thing. It's not really wrong. It's just different. We're just used to the other way. And you see, a lot of the time, that's the way we are. When God wants to move us into something different, some new area, just, well, that's weird. That don't feel right. I remember the first time that we as a church started doing small groups 
There were people who resisted it. They did not like it at all. They were against it. Why? They couldn't even really articulate it. It was just different. I mean, Jesus had a small group. John Wesley changed a nation with small groups. Many of the most successful churches in the world, they all have small groups. But they just resisted that. Wasn't wrong, just different. And you see, that's the way it is so much of the time. And not just about things about church, but even in our personal lives. Sometimes we just got to be willing to make some changes. See, if the Lord puts it on your heart to spend more time with Him in prayer and the Word, you only have 24 hours in a day. So let me tell you how that's going to work. There's going to have to be something else in your schedule that there's less of or that you do away with. I learned this the hard way back when I very first turned my life over to the Lord. I decided I was going to get up at 5 every morning to pray and read my Bible. Now I wish I could sleep till 5, but back then that was a big deal. I was going to get up at 5 every morning. I wanted to spend two hours. I made it five days, but I knew why. Because on the other end of that, I was still staying up till 12 or 1 o'clock every night. It didn't work. And I'm just telling you that, you see, whatever new thing that you're going to do in your life, new commitments, new choices, moving forward, there's going to have to be some things that have to go so that you can keep that. See, maybe God is going to have you give more or begin to save more. Guess what? Something else has got to go. I don't know what you need to clear out this morning, but between you and the Lord, make sure that you're ready for this new year and what God has for you. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray.